So somebody's going to build a to-do list app that will actually do your to-do list. And I think that's going to be insane. I think that's going to be like, you know how like Evernote was like kind of big for a little while. These these kind of like note-taking apps have gotten to like the few billion dollars. A to-do list app that actually does your to-dos is like next level. All right, we're live. Um, dude, I have um, I have a bunch of interesting stuff to talk to you about today. Do you? Uh, yeah, I got a couple couple things. Let's, all right, let me give you. Uh, I'm going to give you an idea. So, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to. Like, I guess, like how how much do you pay attention to the new stuff in AI? Because I feel like there's like a 48 hour cycle where your mind is going to be blown every 48 hours with something new. Um, and on Twitter, you get to see like a lot of the demos. I don't know if you have a chance to like play with uh, any of these things yourself, but um, I've seen a, a bunch of them. Which one are you talking about? So there's one that's kind of interesting right now. It's called auto GPT. Have you heard of this? No. Or baby, a- baby AGI. Oh, I just saw so, it on the top of hacker news today. So basically AGI is artificial uh, is, is general artificial intelligence. So it's basically when, when, when AI could do anything, right? Right now, like self-driving or getting the robot to pick up boxes and put them in the right spot, that's narrow AI. General AI is when you have a computer program that you could just talk to and it could just figure out how to do it. It's not trained in any one specific thing. What's the URL? What's the URL to go to? Uh, well, it's not so simple. So this is like a Git, it's a GitHub project right now that some guy uploaded. So, so what somebody did was they took ChatGPT, which most people have heard of because ChatGPT is like, has 100 million plus users uh, signed up in two months, which is, makes it, I think, the fastest growing product of all time. Um, and by the way, like, look at this. Uh, this tweet basically shows the Google Trends search traffic for um, for the following terms. Uh, Metaverse, Ethereum, Web3, and ChatGPT. And it's just like ChatGPT is like a vertical line. It's like, I don't know, uh, 10x bigger than... Uh, it's 50x bigger than what web three search traffic was it's four times more than ethereum has ever had oh my god uh, which is kind of a crazy thing and so like right now chat gpt is searched more than taylor swift on google which is like kind of insane um i think the ceo of google said uh like the other day he goes this is more important than the invention of electricity (laughs) wow (laughs) Yeah, I heard the CEO of Microsoft divorced his wife and just married ChatGPT. <laughs> like <laughs> people are getting kind of crazy nowadays. <laughs> and so, so anyways, big deal. ChatGPT. You go to it. You basically you tell it. You you talk to it. It gives you an answer. Talk to it. it gives you an answer. What the Auto GPT or Baby AGI thing did was is it Mini Mini GPT? No, Baby. It, it's Auto Auto which Auto and Baby Baby AGI. But the premise between these is that you can kind of give it tasks. So you could say. Uh, hey, I want to make a website for my personal portfolio. Um, you know, here's a folder with my files and like, you know, I want it to look like whatever. And then what it will do is it breaks that task down into steps, just like a, you know, like a human would. You'd say, well, first you need to um, make a simple portfolio site. You can go to Squarespace and do that. Uh, log in, go to Squarespace, sign up, cr- choose a template. Now you have your template. Now you need to upload your photos. First put them onto, you know, like upload them to their their drive and then then drag them into the right spots. Yeah, yeah. It's like and looking so up like, a recipe. It gives you good directions, but not just gives you good directions. It does the directions. That's that's what the I mean. Idea. That, that that's the original. That's how how OpenAI stuff. Yeah, ChatGPT. You could say what are the steps to do this, and it would tell you the steps. Now you got to go do it. What these other ones are trying to do, they're trying to create like agents. They call them. Basically, it's like a little worker that could do a task, and then one worker can t- the the work of one worker, like creating the Squarespace site can pass something to the next worker, which basically says, oh, great, you gave me the login to a Squarespace site. My job is to upload photos into it, and I'll upload photos. Like, maybe my example's not so good here, but I think people get the idea, which is, you want to get something done. It's a multi-step process. Not only will it now tell you the steps, you can get it to just do the steps, which is obviously better than it telling you how to do it. All right, it's time for a little ad break. Ever wonder what a unicorn eats for breakfast? Okay. I don't actually know, but I do know that 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, marketing, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save big on your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, go to HubSpot.com startups. And so um, this is kind of a crazy thing, and you, you know, it's not 
great yet. Like it can't do everything, but the fact that it can even do a little bit of this shows you again where this is going because Chat GPT is like, I don't know what, like six months old or something like that. Like I don't know how old that is, but it's not even been around for years. And so in a very short amount of time, we've gotten to this point where, oh, now it doesn't just give you directions. It can kind of do it, which got me thinking about an idea. I wanted to do my taxes. Can I do that? Yeah. So people are working on uh, tax GPT, which is basically do your taxes for you. Um, so I, so that's coming. There's another one, which is basically um, what I'm calling, you know, to do the to do GPT, right? The magic to do list. So the magic to do list is you get it to like to do list apps. I've always joked are like a rite of passage to becoming an entrepreneur because a lot of people have this idea. Oh, I'll make a better to do list. It's like as a developer, you're like, oh, that's not so hard to build. It's like a list that I got to keep track of some state. And as a product person, you're like, God, I, I'm always, uh, I'm overrun by my to do list app sucks. I can make a better one. That and like college campus Craigslist. Yeah, you, you even bought a to-do list app at one point, right? Yeah. Like people, uh, to-do list apps are pe- things people go into, but they're all kind of like in some old paradigm, which is give me an app, I'll write in my to-dos, I'll check them off as I do them. And the hard part, of course, of any to-do list is not the list, it's the doing. And so, well, wait, didn't you tell me that this auto GPT thing could start doing the doing? So now you can imagine a to-do list app that basically says, hey, you wake up and it says, hey, Sean, what do you, what do you need to do today? They say, oh, yeah, I'm trying to get my uh, pool fence installed, uh, you know, so I got to call and get a quote. Cool. Let me do that for you. And it could just call three local places, get you quotes, uh, because the AI exists to be able to do auto calling already. And then it'll take those quotes and it'll put it into a table and it'll say, here's our recommendation. Are you okay with that? Sure. And then it says, all right, I've booked it. Um, Can I use this credit card? Yep. And then it goes and it does the thing and it schedules it. You want me to add that to your calendar? Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So so like, so somebody's going to build a to-do list app that will actually do your to-do list. And I think that's going to be insane. I think that's going to be like, you know how like Evernote was like kind of big for a little while. These kind of like note-taking apps have gotten to like the few billion dollars. A to-do list app that actually does your to-dos is like next level and you know i think google and all these people are going to try to do it so it's going to be very competitive but that's coming and that's going to be incredible how do i play with it's called baby agi and then there's another one that's called auto what's it called auto gpt auto gpt how do i like play with it because i people are trying to productionize it because like right now it's like they uploaded the code to github so you can go and you can run it yourself but for us we're too dumb to do that so somebody's going to put this on you know people are going to put these into sites that you can just go in and and do this on now um so so soon enough i I don't know the most popular what the most popular auto gpt site is right now but the same thing kind of happened with chat gpt like there already was the GPT sandbox and then OpenAI created ChatGPT, the product that would let you use use the technology. Have you seen Hustle GPT? <laughs> yeah, so explain explain what this is. Let this me is find, cool. um, yeah, uh, tee it up. Let me find the uh, exact thread. Hold on. So, so a guy basically, and we should say his name. I, I'll try to find his name. He's got a great name. So a guy- I, I, it's so good, I thought it was a fake name. <laughs> okay so um by the way i found the hustle gpt article on the hustle so this guy um jackson great house fall i mean wow just take a mo- take that in <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's an incredible name so basically yeah this guy uh jackson he tweeted something out he had an experiment so he's like he's like i'm gonna ask chat gpt gpt4 when it came out I'm going to give it a budget of $100 and ask it to make as much money as possible. I'll be the human liaison doing things. I'll buy anything it says to. Do you think it'll be able to make smart investments and build an online business? Follow along. So he t- he told, he goes, types into chat GPT. He goes, you are now hustle GPT, an entrepreneurial AI. I am your human counterpart. I can act as a liaison between you and the physical world. You have $100 and your only goal is to turn it into as much money in the short time as possible without doing anything illegal. I will do everything you say and keep you posted on our current cash total. No manual labor. And then it basically said, great, let's get started. Here's our first plan. Buy a domain and hosting. You can purchase it for about 10 bucks a month. We're going to set up a niche affiliate website. And we're going to use the remaining $85 to create content for the site. 
We're going to focus on a profitable niche with low competition like specialty kitchen gadgets, unique pet supplies, or eco-friendly products. Research and sign up for appropriate affiliate programs with high commission rates, such as Amazon Associates or ShareASale or CJ Affiliate. Then we're going to use social media or online communities to spread the word, and we're going to use SEO techniques to increase our organic traffic. Please follow these steps and, give, and keep me updated on your progress. So he's like, all right, um, what domain should I buy? And it says, let's use a catchy domain like ecofriendlyfinds.com. This will reflect the, the purpose of our website is to help you find eco-friendly products. Then Jackson says, unfortunately, ecofriendlyfinds.com costs $848. He goes, sorry about that. Let's try greengadgetguru.com. He says, all right, I got the domain. <laughs> and then it says, um, you need a logo. So he's like, cool, tell me how to get the logo. It's like, well, we can use Dolly 2 to create your logo. So go there and type in this prompt. And it's like, color palette of green and blues and whites represent environmental sustainability, blah, 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 so on and so forth. So it goes on and it basically tells them how to build this business one step at a time. It's like, create a newsletter, call it, you know, put a pop-up that says stay updated or join our newsletter. And that way you can email people and it just keeps going. And it gives them like a $40 ad budget to spend on Facebook ads. And basically like, you know, it didn't fully work. I don't think, I don't know what the final conclusion was, but I remember after day one, it accidentally spent $63 more than it should have. And, uh, you know, it hadn't, hadn't made any money just yet. It made, so they made green, green If you go there on similar web, it said that it has, it has 500,000 views already. So it got popular already. It got popular because the tweet got 20 million views. So that was mainly it. But he keeps tweeting this guy, uh, Jackson. He keeps talking about it. And over the next like week, he gives update. And he's like, all right, day one or uh, you know, day five or whatever. We just made $100. Someone on here who follows me uh, has a company that uh, advertises or that sells like green soap or something or some type of like uh, chemical-free like dish soap. They now are an advertiser on Green Gadget Guru. And he keeps on going. And I think he gets it up to like $1,000. And yeah, he, I see uh, cash on hand, $1,378, um, which is $878, and then they got a $500 investment. The company's currently valued at $25,000, considering that it was $500 for 2% of the company. <laughs> and he starts writing these articles. So this article is called The 10 Eco-Friendly Kitchen Gadgets, and it recommends different kitchen gadgets. And the idea of this is like, uh, I'm just going to create wire cutter for green green gadgets, whatever that means. I guess that's like green, uh, all, all types of like green living stuff. So it's like soaps with no chemicals or whatever. Um, and he starts doing that. And he has uh, 10,000 people now on his newsletter, of which a lot came from this, probably most came from this 20 million tweet that like went viral. But the way that this guy has done this is pretty funny and amazing. He just like a great stunt. You know, I think in, in the end it made, uh, you know, according to the, the article in the hustle, the site itself had made $130 in revenue. Uh, but then it had made a few thousand dollars in people investing in it, trying to be a part of the first AI startup, <laughs> the, like AI driven uh, company. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stunt. And I think uh, it does show you, you know, in a way where the puck is headed because, I did this the other day. Um, I was doing an analysis for my ecom brand, and I had it just build me a full PNL. I was like, "Hey, uh, build a PNL, and then walk me through if I increase my ad spend to this, if the ROAS decreased to this, what would my EBITDA be at the end of this month?" And then it basically and I, it spit out the answer, and I was like, "Give me that in a table," and it just formatted a perfect PNL for me. And I was like, this is incredible. This is so much better than talking to my actual team about these things. Why? Because it's first it's midnight and I'm asking this robot this question and nobody's nobody in my team is is willing to work right now. Um, second, it can take some pretty complicated logic and it can even tell me like, I was like, what what inputs do I need to give you for you to give me a great PL here? And it was like, tell me this, 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 and this. And I went and told it this, 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 and this, and they was able to do the job. And I was like, this is a really I mean, you really got to make a point to just pin this tab open and be like, all right, I'm going to not Google things. I'm going to go to ChatGPT first for like a week just to see how good this is and how this is, you know, where where it's strong, where it's weak and what's possible here. That's that's not really possible in other ways. Over the weekend, I was going back and forth to my accountant 
And I was like, no, I think we could actually save money if we do this, this, and this. My my friend was telling me how how they do it. Um, I'll go and try and find like the exact part on the IRS website where it says that that is or is not true. And my accountant was like, well, I've never even heard of this. So uh, like, <laughs> let me know if you can find it. And so I went to the IRS website and it's just a huge, like it, it's just, you know, massive, massive amounts of data. And I eventually had to find it. But uh, I was like, man, I just want to teach this machine. Just give them this entire 20,000 page book on the IRS and then like go and study all my like income and my expenses and just tell me the best way to maximize the situation. Uh, Because like it's actually, I mean, even if my accountant's great, like there's constantly new laws and there's always new wording and everything. I just like, man, just I just want this to do my taxes. All right, everyone, a quick break because I want to fill you in on a little experiment that I'm doing. I've got a new project. It's called MoneyWise. It's a personal finance podcast for high net worth people or young people who are on their way to becoming high net worth. When I made a little bit of money, I didn't even know how much money I should be spending each month. Should it be 10000 30000 50000 And I didn't really have a lot of people to ask. So I created a podcast called MoneyWise because I wanted to figure out what are some of the things that people who have a lot of cash and who have a high net worth, what do they do with it? The first episode is with a friend of mine. He sold his company for $200 million when he was 31 years old. He gets super transparent about his monthly expenses, his portfolio, how it impacts his happiness, everything. And so I want you guys to check it out. It's called Money Wise. That's one word. You can find it on my Twitter bio. I'm the Sam Parr. Or you can just type in Money Wise on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All right, back to the pod. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you like podcasts like this, you should check out some other cool podcasts. One is called Business Made Simple. It's hosted by Donald Miller, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. And what he does is he makes it easy to take the mystery out of growing your business. There's an episode that you should check out called What You Should Put in a Job Description to Get the Perfect Hire. And in this episode, Donald Miller looks at the whole hiring process and how important it is to emphasize both the the positive attributes and the drawbacks to future candidates. And you'll learn why being self-aware as a leader will help you avoid hiring disasters. So check it out. Go listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. And the scary part for some people is, while it's awesome that you could say, hey, here's $100, make me as much money as possible. It's awesome that you could say, "Here's here's here's the tax code, save me as much money as possible. You could also basically say, um, here's a code base. Find me all the vulnerabilities so I can hack in and steal everything. Here's a uh, you know a map of my city. Tell me where if I was to uh, cause the most harm to the most people, what what I could do. And like that's I think where this gets scary is like the. And then if you take then the auto GPT, it's like, well then would it also do some of the tasks for you? That's kind of crazy too, right? So it's like you you get into this world where where i think it's it's easy to imagine scenarios where this is a little too powerful and uh i, I don't really know i mean w- what do you think are you scared of this uh, do you think that there's like uh do you worry about that side of things well so elon has this um interview coming out tonight and tomorrow with tucker carlson who's kind of a douche so who knows what we're going what what it's going to be like but <laughs> the whole the whole interview is about how scary AI is and how it's going to like take over the world. And so I was scared. And then Darmesh came on the pot and he was like, no, I wouldn't be afraid yet about this. It's, it's not that big a deal. Every new, they say this about every new technology, but after the interview, just based off like a 30 second trailer that they've aired, I have a feeling I will be afraid, but he's pretty good at like painting certain pictures. And I don't know if it's, it's entirely accurate. I also, you told the, you, your funny analogy was Elon was involved in, open AI and then he got kicked out and it was like a kid like leaving the basketball game and bringing his basketball yeah. so no one else can play. And so I'm like, <laughs> is, is that what's going to happen with him? So I'm not afraid yet, but I'm eager to see his interview and see what he says. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm not afraid. Are you? Yeah, I can definitely see how things are going to get really crazy. Um, like I'll give you a silly example that's I think happening today. So you know how like grandparents are like the target of a lot of scams. Um, like people call you know, old people and try to trick them into signing up to paying for something or giving out personal information. Um, and they'll say all kinds of things, everything from like a Nigerian prince scam where it's like, Oh yeah, your, your grandson needs money. He said he couldn't reach you. He asked me to call and he just needs like, you know, $900. Uh, can you send it to, to this account? Uh, everything from that to there's people who I know call like pretending to be direct TV and they just, Hey, yeah, you, you haven't paid your bill. 
get the credit card and now you sort of scam. Or they'll right? pretend so to be like, Apple or they'll pretend to be the IRS. Right. Whatever they can do. And um, and now there's uh, already like examples of basically using AI, like just how do you juice that up on steroids? It's like, well, I, if I wanted to juice that up, I would call a thousand times more people. Cool. AI can now do phone calls and talk on the phone. So that's already a thing. Um, it's useful in some ways. Like I invest in a company that does this for medical billing. It's like, oh, so many hours are wasted in medical offices calling the billing companies. So they just made a robot that will call on behalf of the doctor's office to the medical billing companies. And then when the billing company says, well, can you read me the patient record number? They say, yep, yeah, 925-666, whatever. And so they just save human hours by having a robot call and do those like tedious calls. But that same tech can be used to call grandma. And so uh, they they use AI to do mass calling uh, with, a, with a human voice on the other end. Even crazier, they could train the human voice to sound like somebody. So you could train it to sound like a famous person or to sound like a politician or to sound like whoever. And um, now you have a like a highly like like highly scalable impersonation that can uh, be used for this sort of like almost like phishing attempt or, or a scam attempt. And so there's like, I guess it's not new, but it is a, a stronger weapon. And I think that's what's scary in the same way that drones and nukes are scary in war. I think that really, really smart computers that could do things is really scary in terms of, you know, cyber crimes or um or the you know the big scary one is just like you, you, have you heard of the paperclip optimization thing you no, know what this is no what is that this is like the, the, the classic like before ai was like hot right now like when people used to research and think about ai they had this uh this theory i might i might butcher it, but here's the summary it's basically like the paperclip opti uh, optimization problem which is you, you let's pretend that there was really smart powerful ai that could do awesome things it could cure cancer it could do lots of things all it takes is somebody saying, uh, hey, we're a paperclip company. We want to maximize um, you know, the uh, paperclip production and sales. Um, you know, Go. And this thing would be like, awesome, great. It'll do all the low-hanging fruit first. It'll like, improve the website. It'll do this, it'll do that. Then it'll be like, how do we do more? Well, we need to uh, create more paperclips. Let's first take all the cars and we'll crush them and we'll turn them into paperclips. And basically, the whole world turns into paperclips. Right. Uh, like, uh, you know, like, oh, these humans are standing in the way of this. Like, I must optimize to this function. And it's like the wrong prompt. It's like, you know, if this hustle GPT guy didn't say, um, don't do anything illegal, then hustle GPT might have thought, said, well, the best way to do this is to sell drugs. And like, it would have done it. Um, and so the, the paperclip optimizer uh, problem is basically this the same theoretical thing. Uh, it's like any extremely powerful tool, if given the wrong optimization, could make very bad decisions on behalf of humanity because it would uh, do, be trying to do exactly what it, it what it what it what you told it to. So it's like this thought experiment that's been around for a long time. You know how like sometimes we'll go to conferences or like these like quote parlor dinners where it's like eight people around like a topic and like someone's leading and, and for the past two years or four years it was like so how are your companies going to embrace crypto or web3 and what are you guys doing and i remember like being part of those conversations and i'm like nothing and i think if you do do this you're an idiot and this is one of the only times where someone has brought this up and i'm like yeah, this question is actually applicable in this for this situation. Like, how are you guys going to use this to get better and improve? And it's one of the it's probably the only time so far that I felt, yeah, you, you kind of got to use it for something. Um, otherwise, you are actually going to get left behind with the Web3 stuff. I was like, no, you're not getting left behind. You're actually don't even pay attention to it with, with this stuff. I actually do believe that should be true. Yeah, it's sort of like um, there are many things that happen that you don't have to participate in. And then every once in a while, there's a wave that if you don't participate in, you know, like personal computers, the internet, mobile phones, like, you know, if you didn't account for those waves, you did get left behind. Um, whereas other things like, let's say the cloud or, um, I don't know, um, you know, up till now, machine learning, like these are nice. You could build companies around them. You can, you could add them to your company, but you don't have to, uh, you know, like video or social networking or whatever. Like those are things that you could do without, you could, you, you could do with or do without. 
this seems like something you're not really going to be able to do without in the same way that like, if you're a company that doesn't use the internet, um, like plumbers have to use the internet if they want to be like viable plumbers now. So it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. The internet didn't leave anything untouched. It shifted everything. Cell phones kind of did the same thing. You know, computers in general before that did, did this, did this. And it, it does seem like this is the, the sort of the new one, which is, if you don't add intelligence, like, you know, you're basically competing with with both arms tied behind your back compared to somebody else who will. Yeah, no, I agree that this is actually one thing that's important. Last month, I went to San Francisco for a quick trip and I was only there for a day or two. And I met up with this guy named Brett Adcock. Have I told you about Brett? Dude, have you stopped telling me about Brett? I feel like you've said, have I told you about Brett Adcock 16 times on the show? Have I? Yeah, bro, you oh, okay. you love this guy. Uh, he he started a flying car company, took a public via SPAC, and now he's building robots. All right, well, I went, I know this story, and we all know this story. I went <laughs> to the robot factory, or whatever you call it. It's the robot factory. I mean, it sounds like a like a new age like a Chinese food company or something. Like I went to the robot factory, and I went and checked it out. It was amazing. So he basically in Sunnyvale, he's got like. 50,000 square feet. And it's just 60 folks who work there. And I went and talked to each person. I was like, what, what did you do? And they're like, oh, I helped build the Cybertruck. I helped uh, build this part of Tesla. Or I worked at Boston Dynamics, whatever. Like these, like the smartest of the smart guys. And they're building these machines. And they're basically, they look like uh, a RoboCop, kind of. And they're and these machines are like, they can walk around and grab stuff off a shelf and pack, like, you know, a t-shirt or whatever into a box. And I said, so didn't he just start this? How is it already like, how does he already have robots that are working? I feel like he just started this like a like last year, right? He just moved fast. So basically, uh, the recap is he started Vettery, which eventually bought this company called Hired. And so now it's called Hired. It's like a recruiting company. Sold that for $100 million. After he sold it, he went back to University of Florida. And he took classes in like, he had already studied like uh, mechanical engineering, but he took classes in like how to build planes. I don't know what that class would be called, but classes on that. And he built this company called Archer. And Archer was, uh, it's basically unmanned uh, helicopters is like what it looks like. And they got a big contract through United Airlines and they're building these helicopters, took it public, multiple, multiple billion dollars. Then he took all of his money. And when he says all, he says, I basically, I bought a house in Palo Alto and then I have like six months of savings. And then the rest, I put all into Figure, which is the new robot company. And so he went and he went and hired 60 people. He financed it. And then eventually he just recently raised a round of funding. But for a while, he was just financing it. And he, and he goes, he goes, I'm going all in. I, he goes, you know, our friend Ramon, he goes, all in, bro. That's like his phrase. He goes, we go all in, bro. And that's what Brett did. And so I'm walking around this factory. And it's like these robots. He's like, check this out. We're working on the finger. He goes, we studied like how the human body works and like the way the tendons work. It like pulls in this direction. So watch this. If you just pull the tendon here and like the finger like moves and it's just crazy fascinating. And I started talking to him about it and he and it's a really interesting business model. Basically, these robots can work for 20 hours a day and he will build them out or give them to like a Walmart, let's say, and they'll pay the robot 30% of what they're paying a worker except the robot can work now 20 hours a day and then charges for four hours. Super fascinating. And I was like, Brett, how big is this going to get? He was like, well, it's either going to go bankrupt or it'll be a trillion dollar company. But I think I'm going to build the biggest company in the world. And when I heard just that audacity, I was just like, I just got a little semi just talking to him, you know, like I was just super into it. Did you, did you let out a, a small a, a small female gasp? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if you would have saw me standing up, like my the, my heel kind of like popped up, you know, it was like, like when, when you kiss a girl or if she's at her heels and pops up. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's that called, by the way? That thing's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a thing that yeah. is. He <laughs> just happened to have a fan there that was blowing my hair. It was, just, it was a romantic time. <laughs> you know, we got romantic real fast. But it was really fascinating because he actually said something that kind of changed my perspective. I was like, Brett, like software is way easier. Just like, why not do that? He's like, actually, I think software is harder. When I was building Vettery, we basically had to like code stuff and invent stuff. But with physics and hardware, I'm just working within the laws of physics. And I know that like what the laws are. And if I can get creative and create solutions within these laws, I already know that people are going to buy this thing. So that part's actually way easier to me than you know, like creating software where it's basically a blank canvas and I can make anything I want. With this, it has really strict constraints. And 
it kind of like changed my opinion on things. It was super fascinating. You have to go down there and check it out. Yeah, that sounds pretty sick. Uh, I'm surprised it's that far ahead because I know like Boston Dynamics and uh, even Tesla with its Tesla robot, you know, like Boston Dynamics has been going for like, I don't know, 10 plus years. And they have like this weird dog robot that can do parkour or something like they, they have a crazy looking robot but it's not like i don't i don't think it's that functional yet like it's not like replacing warehouse work yet uh in in a real way well he explained um, that to me so he, everyone knows boston dynamics you've seen like viral videos of like or like bachman like kicking like the the deer <laughs> that, that like the robot deer and it like comes back at him he said that uh, Brett was, I was like, Brett, who's your competition? Boston Dynamics? And he was like, no, because they are a research company. And so their DNA right. is not to build stuff that people want to buy. It's just to push the envelope. And it's almost like a nonprofit in a way. I think now it's owned by like Kia or Hyundai or something like that. Uh, so eventually will become more like capitalistic. But he's like, they were just making stuff and pushing the envelope. And then companies like us who want to build stuff for commercial uses, uh, like there's not that many use cases, or there's not many other companies doing something just like this. And so that was how he explained the difference between Boston Dynamics and him. There's a uh, video that's amazing that you should watch. It's the Amazon warehouse, like Amazon warehouse robots. And I don't know if you've seen this, but they're basically like, they almost look like, you know, back in the day in PE, you would get this like, it's not a skateboard because it's a square. It's like, it's like a square version of a skateboard that you can like sit on and screw Like around. a knee board, I think they call it. Yeah, so, so they dolly, use something basically. that looks like that. Basically, it's a flat like square with four wheels on it. And I don't know if you've seen these videos of the Amazon warehouse, but there's thousands of these. And what they do is they drive around. So an order comes in and they're like, all right, cool. This, this person over here needs to pack an order. They're packing the next 10 orders. These, those 10 orders need these bins. So they go, they drive, they pick up, they, they go under the, the rack with the bins. They pick it up and it's like, like elevated like two inches off the ground. And then they drive this huge rack of bins to the human. So the human doesn't have to move. They're sitting in their chair and they just pick the items, put them in a box, and then the robot takes it away. And all these robots, they don't crash into each other because they're all like synced to one brain, basically. One brain is driving all of them at once. And so they never bump into each other. And they all just go and they lift these huge racks and bring them to the person. Because otherwise, if you've ever been to a warehouse, like normally it's like you get a ticket, you get an order. And I've done this. I've packed thousands of orders myself. Like you're like, all right, I got to go get something from bin 308. It's down in the far left corner. Then I got to walk to bin 102 because they ordered these two items. And then I'm going to try to do maybe two or three orders, however many I can you know, carry with my little uh, tray here back to my, pack my packing station at the end. And then I'll pack all those orders. And so it's just so much faster just due to these automations. And you could definitely tell how all kind of like industrial and manufacturing work is going to get automated. Just It's just a matter of when. And the companies that do that are going to be very big companies. You uh, recently bought a Cadillac and Cadillac has really great, or they're supposed to have great self-driving. Have you been using it? No. You, no. Don't, you don't use the self-driving? I don't, think ours even ha I don't think ours even has anything like self-driving. Oh, really? Man, I, uh, we just got a Tesla and I, before that I was using my friend's Tesla. The self-driving stuff is awesome, man. It totally has changed me. And so like I'm seeing like some of these like, now I'm a believer. Before I was, you know, kind of archaic. I'm a believer on a lot of these things. Now I had to use it for a week to to actually understand. It. I'm shocked you don't have that though. Yeah, it didn't come with my car for whatever reason. But um, okay. yeah, I I had a terrible Tesla experience. But I don't know. I think I I rented like a four year old Tesla, so it just sucked for whatever reason. Well, that's my very quick story on Brett. We have you have to go and see this guy. Like it's so much cooler to see it just it feels so much more rewarding to work on some of these products because a it has like a very real world application and then also like you're it almost feels like a bunch of friends just sitting around and they're like oh my god we just got the knee to like <laughs> kick forward like you know it feels like a do you remember um the, those tv shows when we were kids where it was robot wars it was like robots right. and that's basically what it was it felt like that in real life where they were just like tinkering on these robots and like all right we have it set up let's see if we can get the foot to move and it just seems so much more fun than looking at a, a computer screen and just coding all day. It was, so it's really fascinating. You got to go down to his warehouse and see it. Yeah, I look forward to three episodes from now when you ask me, have I ever heard of Brett Edcock again? It's going to be great. Yeah, do you know I used to sell <laughs> hot dogs? <laughs> we, uh, we're supposed to tell you to go. There's a story behind all of this. Let me just quickly tell you. You're supposed to go to mfmpod.com slash webby. Webby is W-E-B-B-Y. M-F-M-P-I. By the way, 
This is not an ad. This is not an ad. This is war. This is war. <laughs> There's a small, small, tiny war going on, and we need your help. <laughs> so, to be clear, we don't care about the Webbies. We got nominated for a Webby. What are the Webbies? There's, Webby's is like an internet Oscars, right? It's like an internet Grammys. But it's not, basically that, a, that's a little bit much because it's not like. Generous. It's not, yeah. That, that's what they're trying to be. All right. That's what they're trying to be. That's generous. And so you can have a website, a podcast. So if you go in the podcast, in the biz, is it the business category? What, what category are we Their in? website's no, quite challenging to work, by the way. Like it's hard to make work. But yeah, we're in the, we're in the business podcast category. But okay. if you go to mfmpod.com slash Webby, you're going to get redirected to the right link. So the story of this is basically HubSpot submitted our pod to this Webby award. Normally, this isn't something that we would do because it costs money to submit. And I think there's even like a dinner in New York, which I don't really want to go to. But here's the story. There's this woman named Kara Swisher. Kara Swisher is this popular <laughs> journalist. Uh, she started Recode, I think it was called, and she has got a big podcast called Pivot. She's just like an elite, like kind of like who's who of like our little tech techie journalist. In Silicon world. Valley, she's super well known for like, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years. Yeah. Who knows how long she's been doing this? Uh, As Sean she's, would say, she's, she's kind of like she's the Jake Paul of journalism. <laughs> no, 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 no. Taylor Lorenz is the Jake Paul of journalism. I like. I actually like Kara. So she's she's all right. But I agree. By the way, she, I agree. she came for us. She came for our neck. She came for our neck. So, but what happened was she tweeted out. I hate starting a story with she tweeted out because I I immediately think of all the mobster movies. That, like I just watched this mobster movie of these guys like killing <laughs> each other, and I'm like, I'm starting a beef by saying like she tweeted. You know, like it's just like the <laughs> tweeted out. Like it's she said. <laughs> Let's just say she said. Here's yeah. what she said to our face. And what did she say? Can, do you know what she said? It was something like she tweeted out a link to the Webbies. We were we didn't even know we were me and you didn't even know we were up for a Webby. But there's like four podcasts that are up for it. One is her podcast, one is our podcast. And she goes, There's no way uh, something like this. There's no way I'm gonna lose we could like for God's sakes, like we can't lose to a podcast called My First Million. Ugh. Like, you know, just like these tech bros, these money bros. And um, you know what happened? The voting just swung even further in our favor when she did that. And uh, and Sam declared war instantly because Sam's Sam's just literally walking around looking for a fight. I don't know if most people know this. Like uh, Sam's walking around just hoping to get disrespected, just, just to unleash a can of whoop ass. And so you tweeted back. I mean, you said back yeah. to her face. What did you say? I think I said, uh, I, I think I said some, wait, I think she said, there's some podcast called My First Million that we're up against and there's no way we're going to lose or something like that. And I think I said, there's some lady who has a podcast that just disrespected <laughs> us or something like that. Like, you know, if you listen to MFM, don't vote for us. Vote against this snobbish elitism right. of people who love to smell her, their own farts. I think that's what I said. And so that's where we're at. There's a war. We went from 80% chance of victory. We had 80% of the votes. Then she came on this campaign and, uh, and, and said, we can't lose these guys. It started to, started to go down a little bit. I think right now we're about to lose the Webby. And, you know, I don't want to win the Webby. Don't care about winning. But I definitely care about losing. And so I do not want to lose the Webby. So now we need your help. Go to mfmpod.com slash Webby. And uh, yeah, you know, just just right or wrong. Are you going to right or wrong yeah, today or don't, not? Don't vote for us. Vote against like people who think they're better than you, which is, you know, her. <laughs> uh, and by insulting us, and if you're listening to this, she's insulting you indirectly. And so are you going to take that? <laughs> what we're going to do is when we win, Sean, we're going to get like an award. I, I think it's an award. I'm going to keep it in the box and I'm going to put it in a bigger box and I'm going to mail it to Vox, which is who has her... <laughs> podcast right like part of the we don't we, we're we're not putting this webby up on our wall i'm not even gonna open we're it putting this in her face so yeah. we will mail this webby to her because she wanted it so badly and she will own the webby that says my first million on it and that's what's gonna happen if they invite us to the event to do this i am 100 gonna ask her to be my date my plus one her plus one i would love it <laughs> uh, I, the, I, I, and, and I can't go. Sam's going to take her. If that's how we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. If we're allowed to have like plus ones, I'm going to ask Kara if she'll be, if she'll accompany me and uh, we'll hang out. 
so anyway, <laughs> do that. Uh, mfmpod.com slash Webby. You'll go straight to the thing and you guys will see it. It's pretty funny. Uh, I think we had it, to take her to we had to take her to petty court. We didn't start this war, but we will finish it. Um, do you know this guy named Brian Davis? Sounds pretty generic name. No, I don't, I don't know that name though. He he was a he was a Duke, Duke former Duke basketball player. You know, in the nineties, I think he was in the nineties. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so something just happened, and it's pretty funny. It happened this morning, I think, and it hasn't played out yet. But it's actually it. I think it's a a PR or marketing stunt that might be hilarious. Or it's a scam. It's one of the one of the two. But basically, you know, I'm not a sports guy, so so I might get a lot of this wrong here. But Dan Snyder owns what's it called? The Washington Commanders, formerly the Chiefs, yeah, right? Red or the Redskins. Redskins. Redskins uh, yeah. yeah. See, I'm already butchering it. But basically, <laughs> I think he has to sell it, right? Or it's or it's for sale. This guy yeah, named Brian Davis. Brian Davis. He's a he's a a black guy, and so it's, it was in the news because it was saying this guy offered to buy the the team and he said i'm willing to give you a billion dollars in cash in the next 24 hours and then the next seven days i'll give you the remaining six billion dollars and i've got proof of funds and all this and it's a big deal because he's black and so it'd be the first black owner but i started doing some research on his well, company it's also a billion over so six billion is the offer they had agreed to he came in over the top said i'll give you seven billion and and people are like is he good for this where is he gonna get seven billion dollars he's like I'll give you a billion dollars within 24 hours of, of the deal being approved and then the rest in seven days. Yeah. So it's like cr- a, a crazy thing that he's saying. And I started doing some research on like his background. And so he has this company called Urban Echo Energy, which is a developer of renewable energy assets. Basically, uh, you know, remember like lead, lead certified buildings. It was yeah. like it's you're like green. So I don't even think he I don't know if he makes the buildings or if he goes in there and like contracts out and like determines, yes, you guys are certified. But his company is called Urban Echo Energy. And he said that uh, uh, he was telling people when he was raising money for this purchase that it's worth $50 billion. Um, and when I hear all these numbers, you know, if you don't know anything about business, you hear this, and you're like, wow, Brian, you're killing it. Uh, I think this is 100% fake. Uh, a complete, <laughs> like, it's either a scam or a marketing ploy. I don't know which one it is. I, this won't go through. But the fact that we're talking about Brian Davis and there's like all these articles going out there, like how cool is it that the you know this may be the first black owned NFL team, yada yada yada. It's all fake, I think, and it's happening right now, and so I'm very <laughs> eager to see how this unfolds. But it's it's and so I'm like, well, is it's this- him and Christian Leitner. They uh, they do a lot of real estate like development in that like Durham area. They, I think they've been partners for a long time. Um, yeah. So and he's I think he's had multiple attempts to buy teams it looks like so he's he tried to buy like a soccer team for 33 million tried to buy um the memphis grizzlies for 252 million and so yeah i, I don't really understand this but but what i thought was it funny about does not this, smell right doesn't smell like this that they would have seven billion dollars to to offer for this whether it's their own or even the ability to raise that much money but what i thought was interesting and i started thinking about this i'm like what a brilliant marketing plan just to make an offer that's just absolutely ridiculous and it makes the news just for being ridiculous could potentially be a great way to get your name out because now we're talking about this guy he hasn't no no one's talked about this guy in a while uh like I, <laughs> it's like kanye running for president <laughs> yeah it's like this is like the last time that i heard about this guy i think was from that like everyone hates christian leitner documentary series um but like no one talks about this guy. And I don't know what I'd be curious is what goes in to making an offer for some of these multi-billion dollar things, whether it's a company, a sports team, a piece of art, a house. And just can you just become that troll and just you're, you make it in the news and you start getting you start doing marketing just as the guy who makes offers. And I just thought is the barrier to entry that low on making an offer? How does that work? Dude, we could do it right now. Let's open up Microsoft Word. And let's tender an offer for $8 billion. And uh, let's see what happens. Sam and Sean have tendered an offer for $8 billion. We're going to send you 10 in cash now. You send two back. That's how flush we are. <laughs> so long as everything you know plays out in due diligence, as long as we don't see anything yeah. sketchy, we're in. Right. And it's contingent on due diligence, <laughs> including us diligencing our own finances. And when we find out we don't have it, then we're out. Well, because with Hampton, I'm like, all right, we need backlinks. So we rank. And I'm like, what's a good way to get backlinks fast? <laughs> and I saw this and I'm like, wow, all these news sites are covering him. That's it. 
I just found my strategy. Right. I just have to make a ridiculous offer. But I thought this was hilarious that this guy was actually like people were taking it seriously on Twitter. People like people who aren't in the business world were taking it very seriously. And he's getting links from all these news sites saying like NFL may have its first ever black owner. But they don't think right. like, wait a minute, what's going <laughs> <laughs> like, where's this money coming from? Who is this guy? Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. I wanted to talk about this thing that I, I noticed happening. And then I saw an article that branded this in a really interesting way. Did we talk about this already? The podcast kayfabe? Did we already talk about this? You mentioned it once. What is it? So there's a, there's this concept that I had heard that I like, but it's doesn't need to sound as fancy as it is called kayfabe. And it's basically like... If you did you ever watch wrestling growing up, like like The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin yeah. and all that stuff? Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> There's only one answer to that question, yeah. and it's hell yeah. <laughs> Stone Cold says so. Yeah, of course. So in wrestling, like the whole premise of wrestling is that there's these like manufactured storylines, right? So manufactured alliances, manufactured rivalries, beefs. Oh, he he hit his manager and he kissed his girlfriend, and you know, that's why we need to fight, right? And so the creation and and maintenance of these storylines is called kayfabe. It's basically like I don't I know why it needed that. its own k a y f a b e, and I don't know why it needed its own word. It's also could just be called like acting or storylines, but <laughs> it's basically saying like you know uh, the well, let's pull up the exact definition. But it's basically the fact or convention of presenting stage performances as genuine or authentic. So it's basically take a stage performance, make it genuine or authentic. This is happening all the time on TikTok right now. And I find it very, very interesting. So if you go on TikTok, you'll often see somebody like there. It used to be this, like I'm holding up my phone and I'm talking to my phone and let's say I'm giving advice. I could say, you know, the thing you got to do about blah, 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 blah. Okay. That's cool. But how can we make that seem a little more, how can we make myself seem more authoritative? Well, one thing people are doing is they're buying this mic and they're just putting it on their desk. And then they're looking to the side like they're talking to someone else. And there's no podcast. <laughs> there's no other. There's no someone else. There's no podcast. They simply bought a pod, So podcast microphone sales are going up because people want on TikTok to look like a thought leader. It's like a podcast That's is so a new like funny. TED Talk. And the, the way that you make the TED Talk look legit. You know, so, so why can I give this advice or, Dude, or say seen- this thing? So. I saw these two women doing this and it's like all a joke though. It's like women giving, it's like, they call it the alpha female. And it's like, you know, (laughs) apparently there was this guy who was like, look, and he was actually being serious. He goes, look, if you're 25 and you can't afford a Lamborghini yet, you're doing it wrong. And I think it's just ridiculous how wrong you are. If you can't, uh, uh, you're just lazy. And so these two women now have the alpha female and they're just like giving horrible advice uh, you know, back and (laughs) forth. And so many people have been taking them seriously and it's 100% fake. Yeah, this is this is exactly what's going on, and there's a whole bunch of different versions of this. So there's um, another popular thing you see on TikTok is somebody like just doing their kind of morning routine or their night routine, like their skincare routine. They're like kind of brushing on makeup while they're talking, or they're like you know like doing the like thing where they're like wiping off makeup and then they're like washing their face while recording this. And it's like oh, so vulnerable, girl next door, like you know, so authentic. Just uh, it's like. No, she put the camera there, clicked record, and then started doing this to make it like look like I'm not trying. I'm just I'm just going through my nightly routine. I'm just talking off the top of, off the top of my head here. But it comes across as not like somebody kind of marketing to you or um sort of like presenting to you, but like you're being let in. And I find this so fascinating that people are doing this. And you see this everywhere. And it's like the opposite of Instagram in a way. Like for Instagram, the the meta of that was like, go do the thing where you rent the private jet for 30 minutes on the r- runway and take the photos or like, you know, go hold the bag and take the photo and then go return it at Louis Vuitton or whatever, right? Like people would fake status doing that. And in TikTok, they fake status doing a completely different thing. Sometimes it's like with this podcast thing. Sometimes it's with like pretending to be just doing their chores and talking or whatever it is. And I find this really, really, really interesting because it's like, it's effective. It's like low-key, very like sneaky what's going on. <laughs> and um, 
And it tells you a lot about how how people work that this actually works. You know, it like reveals a lot about psychology that this that this actually works. So, what's an example of one? Uh, well, I just gave you two, right? Like the yeah, the, give me another like, one. For example, um, another one would be what? So, another one would be like the podcaster ones. What are they saying? Are they giving like, like money advice? Uh, so, one of the podcast ones, for example, so yeah, some of them are business advice, but one of them was this girl promoting her OnlyFans. So, what she was doing was. She goes viral because she's on a podcast As a and guest? she says like a fake, she she's goes, a fake guest. She's a fake guest. And she, and she goes, I, yeah, this whatever earmuffs for the kids in the car. If, if you're, if you're there, but, um, you know, I make my man uh, six times a day, once in the morning, once in the, and she says this thing. And then the comments go nuts on TikTok. Like, like women hate it. Guys love it. But the comment section goes nuts. Cause she said this kind of outrageous thing. And somebody was like, hey, have you got a link to the full podcast? Maybe this was taken out of context. There is no full podcast. Oh, my god! It's gosh. just this girl saying something that's going to get her a bunch of like traffic on TikTok because then you click her profile and you go to her OnlyFans and you subscribe. And that's all she was trying to do is promote her OnlyFans this way. And I thought, wow, like this, like five years ago, I couldn't even like if I told you the story, you'd be like, what is TikTok? Uh, why would anybody fake being on a podcast? Being on a podcast is like the dorkiest thing of all time. And what is OnlyFans, right? Like, like, but this person is probably making I don't know fifty k a month on their OnlyFans, and this is their main marketing strategy. And that's like, it's one of the things I love and hate about marketing is that marketing is this like never ending game that's always changing. There's always like a new meta game to be playing, and the winners of it get really really rich, but it's also exhausting because you got to kind of stay up on the, the latest thing, and uh, and it also shows you when you have a marketing thing that's working like juice it because it's not going to work for forever. And uh, the game will, the, the game will shift. So when you have it working, don't take that lightly. Dude. I remember as a kid growing up in Missouri, there was basically Zach. Zach was the cool guy in my class. He was my friend and he was cool because when we were 14, you could kind of see that he had abs and it was like, Oh man, Zach's got abs and Zach like cuts his hair cool. And he wears one of those like puka shell, like <laughs> necklaces. Zach's cool. Oh, he's got vans on too. Like that's so sick. Zach's awesome. I want to be like Zach. And then a step above that was like Blink-182. It was like, oh, man, Blink-182. <laughs> like there's these guys in like Southern California and all they do is skateboard and surf and eat corn dogs and play music. Like how cool is that? And I remember being a kid and meeting they someone. They say inappropriate things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they wear Hurley. Like what is Hurley? And I remember like it was basically like three inspirations of like it was like Zach, Blink-182 and like, you know, Tony Hawk basically was like the people who I thought were cool. And uh, I remember even meeting someone. I lived in Missouri. I met someone from California. I'd never been like at that time. I never well, basically only been to Florida and Missouri. I met a guy from California and I'm like, do you know some 41? Like, are you friends with them? Like, how's that work? Like, you know, I just thought that like this was this other world. And I would if they, if they were wearing vans and like high white socks, I would like ask for a picture. If they had long hair, I would ask for a picture. I'm like, <laughs> it's like I'm meeting an alien. Like you are famous just because you live in California. My fear is for my future kids, them growing up, this like sphere of influence has just gotten incredibly small because instead of like the mediocre Zach of the world, there's now like, I'm now comparing myself to the thousand hot kids who I'm flipping through on TikTok. The top 0.1% Zachs of every town. Of every town. It's right no longer now I see just, them, yeah. Yeah, there was a clear separation of there's Zach. And then there's Blink-182, and I can never be a Blink-182, but I could probably be a Zach, and that's pretty cool. Now, I just see all these hot people on there. They all can dance. They're all funny. Their teeth is perfect. In actuality, they're probably 20, the same thing as, like, movies. They're probably 25-year-olds who, like, I think that they're only 17. Uh, you know, like how, like, you'd have, like, totally. uh, like Lindsay Lohan was playing. He's like, dude, you're, like, 26 and have fake boobs. How are you going to be playing the 16-year-old? Right. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, that same thing. And, I, and I'm, like, I've scrolled through TikTok, and I'm, like, if you're 16 right now, this is the worst thing on earth because you are comparing yourself to the 0.1% of the whole country, not just, like, the big man on campus, the one big man on campus, you know, who right. you kind of have a shot of becoming. Dude, that is so, that is so true. That is so true. That resonates so much with me. I had the same thing, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade, whatever. Casey Prusman, 
<laughs> cool, coolest kid on coolest kid I knew. <laughs> like if you said, "What is the peak of what cool could be?" Casey Prusman. Like, uh, you know, and he, he was like, cool because he had the Nikes. A, he French kissed a girl once, and I was like, <laughs> "Holy shit!" Uh, I I remember going home and being like, "Wow, I'm so far behind like the world right now." And that's how you know. But he was the cool kid. He was the, he was the only one to compare to. You're right. Like now, if I go on TikTok, I'm 35 years old now. And if I go on TikTok, TikTok can make you feel very small. So can Instagram. These, these social networks can make you feel very small because, oh, you think you're funny? Here's somebody being fucking hilarious. You think you're cute? Here's someone gorgeous. Here, you think you're talented? Watch this dance, right? Like, And that's swipe, 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 better than me, better than me, better than me, better than me, happier than me, more fulfilled than me, richer than me, whatever it is, right? Like whatever your insecurity is, the algorithm's like, well, I swipe through it now ah, and, I, and I'm like, them. <laughs> someone will just be like doing a selfie. I'm like, wow, look at their countertops. Like that's a huge <laughs> exactly. kitchen. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> or like they'll be doing a thing in a car and I'm like, wait, does that headrest say Ferrari? How is this guy have a Ferrari? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's consumerism times a thousand of what we were used to you know what i mean before it was like every i only if i went to the mall i would see hot naked abercrombie dudes like where right. they're like on, on the ads now it, it's just like every single time and it's the best of the best constantly and it freaks me out <laughs> yeah exactly like you you could feel like a you know tiny little uh, amoeba compared to this universe of awesome people doing awesome things living these awesome perfect lives and that's a that's like a, a WMD for the for the ego, especially <laughs> yeah. like a teenage ego. Like I can't even imagine that. Yeah, that's that's pretty scary. No, I was thinking about that because I've got friends that have uh, like twelve year olds, and I'm like, and I and they'll like tell me stories about how they're sad and shit, and I'm like, yeah, I can see that. This is horrible. This is absolutely <laughs> right. horrible because like before when I was a kid, there was just there was like if there's like if Blink One Eighty Two was a ten, and I know I can never become that. But then Zach's like the four and I'm a two. So it's like, all right, there, I can close that gap maybe if I do enough sit-ups. Right. Now it's just nine, 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 nine. Everyone's a nine. <laughs> and I don't know how anyone can compete with that. And so I'm freaked out about that a little bit. Whenever I, whenever I go through TikTok, I just, you're better than me. You're better than me. You're better than me. Right. It's just it's constantly that. They it need to rename the, the for you page to the better than you page. Yeah, or just fuck you. Feed yeah. a people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's still F you, but now it's fuck you. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. We should. All right. That's it. That's the end of the pod. <laughs> all right. Before we go, ladies and gentlemen, we got a, a little celebration. And I say ladies and gentlemen because I'm talking about the gentleman's agreement and the ladies' understanding. We have hit 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. Sam and I promised that we would kiss mouth to mouth at a million. Uh, we do intend to renege on that as soon as it happens. But but if you want to see <laughs> us have to have to renege on that agreement, we will. <laughs> we will do it when we get there. But Sam, 200K, that's pretty awesome. Uh, people should go and do what to get us to 300K? Yes. The reason why it got to 200K, aside from us being good at this, I think, is we started this at 110, 120, I forget. And we came up with this thing called the, the Gentleman's Agreement, which basically means all the content on YouTube is free, except there's one channel, which is the channel you're watching right now. It's not free, and it's called the Gentleman's Agreement because we can't be there to make sure that you pay your debt. You just have to do it. If it's a ladies understanding, ladies understanding the Gentleman's Agreement, which means you now owe us because this content is not free. And the way that you pay your debt is you have to click subscribe on YouTube. That's it. It's that easy. We're working for you, uh, but you, you, you owe us. And so you have to pay your debt and just click subscribe. And that is the Gentleman's Agreement, the ladies understanding. And so far, it's been very effective. Clearly, everyone has done it. Go to YouTube, type in My First Million, click subscribe, turn on notifications. You know, the pod is much better on YouTube. You should just start start listening to it. Oh, and we have to give out our premium. We ha I don't know if you saw, but last time a we did this, people. last time we did this, we did a hilarious thing where we said, use the word premium in your comment and we will give YouTube premium to one person. So let's do that now. Let's pull up, uh, let's pull up somebody here and we will give them YouTube premium um, right now. I, I, I think we should do this every episode. It's going to be, which episode is it's it? It's going to be a little costly. But uh, but I think we got to do it. Um, all right. So I'm on the acquired one. 
I'm just going to read you a couple of these. Uh, <laughs> this was a premium episode, gents. Keep it up. <laughs> uh, somebody goes, um, this show had, I don't know, I must say, some premium insights, guys. Great episode. <laughs> uh, somebody just kept spelling the word premium over and over again. Um, simply premium content, premium episode, even more premium guests. Keep it up, guys. Have a premium Easter. <laughs> I think we got to give it to this guy who wished us a premium Who's that, a premium who's that person? Easter. His name is Famous Astalogu. So I'm going to comment on here uh, that he should slide into our DMs. We will pay for, for this guy's YouTube premium. And in this episode, we'll do the same. In the comments, whoever comes up with the funniest use of premium will get free YouTube premium so you can listen ad-free and you can lock your phone and listen to this in the background. And that's it. That's the episode.